Welcome to episode three of our special podcast miniseries. I'm Anthony Verna, and we're here with the gang from the Nessa group. Jim, pleasure to see you again. Uh, pleasure being here. I find this will be very interesting. Barry, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for um, having me here, and I think that we have exciting discussion to discuss. Good. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Will, great yeah. to see you, sir. Yeah, I got a, a ditto that uh, from, from Barry. But yeah, this is going to be exciting. I like real live case studies. We like dittos. We don't like mega dittos. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Justin, it's a pleasure to see you. <laughs> I'm not going to hold this up. Let's get into this. <laughs> Good follow-up. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about uh, let's start doing our our case study uh, section of our of our mini series. So let me tell you a little story about a client of mine, and the names here are changed uh, to protect not just the innocent, but the <laughs> but what is uh, uh, private as well. So we're gonna call this bronze and bourbon, and I wish I'd thought of that uh, in real life. But uh, bronze and bourbon is a company that was sued for trademark infringement. They're an apparel company. They make you know, not uh, revolutionary materi materials, but they make apparel. So fancy, you know, fun t-shirts, fun sweatshirts, caps, a lot of caps, a lot of accessories. And some of them do have, do have sayings. The um, aesthetic, the oeuvre of, these, of this apparel is very, you know, traditionally manly, uh, certainly uh, cars, certainly a lot of um, a lot of um, you know motoring type of of uh, imagery in it. Uh, the plaintiff was uh, bronze and and coke, and and so uh, from that particular uh, standpoint, they they're also an apparel company. Totally different type of apparel, though. Um, I would say that they sell a uh, very expensive apparel, very uh, good dress shirts, uh, very good dress pants, shoes, uh, ties, things that are very much more upscale than um, than the the client in this case. So, uh, Will, let's start with you as to some thoughts here. You know, again, I'm a novice and, and certainly don't understand trademark law uh, uh, as you would. But the first thought that came to mind was, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know. so, so let's let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. No, and I understand exactly where you're coming from because a lot of people don't understand trademark law, and a lot of people don't understand what the um, uh, what the reasoning is for a trademark infringement lawsuit like this. So let's talk about that for a little bit. The plaintiff needs to have, one, a trademark that is registered with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So that trademark has the brand in it. That trademark will have uh, the goods and services listed in it. And uh, obviously the owner is listed in it. So, so those are keys. And then when you're filing a trademark infringement suit, you obviously have to list who the defendant is. Why is there infringement? So you're going to have to discuss some of those areas. The trademarks are similar. The goods and services are similar. In, in, a, in a very simple explanation, similar trademarks, similar goods and services equals trademark infringement. Now, you're probably saying... Um, you got to be kidding me because the trademarks do have some differences to them. Yeah, it was my first impression. Okay, yeah. great. So 
where the issue is, is not on the second you know, section or the third section, but it's on the dominant portion of the trademark. And that's where a lot of plaintiffs start, uh, start with. And they will say, the dominant portion of our mark is here. So bourbon in this particular case, bourbon and bronze, bourbon and Coke. So bourbon is number one. That's the dominant portion. That's where the infringement occurs because consumers look at the dominant portion and not the second. We've got court cases from, from the first time the Lanham Act has been enforced that talk about the dominant portion of trademarks. So when we're looking at a trademark, we need to understand that dominant portion. So in this particular case, it's bronze. So from that standpoint, um, that's, that's really what we're looking at. From the goods and services standpoint, a lot of people would say, well, you know, one company is making t-shirts and one company is making dress pants, dress shirts, ties, and their price points are very different. And this is where the, the yin and yang of, of law comes in, which is on one hand, I understand exactly what you're talking about. And if you're a defendant, that's exactly what you hammer. You hammer the differences between the price points. You hammer the differences in your consumers. You handle the hammer the differences in your channels of trade and your marketing. You know, uh, Justin talked about in earlier episodes, what does it take to get a customer? Well, these two companies have very different customers, and these two companies are going to get those customers in very different ways and at very different price points. All of that's defensible. And all of that might mean that there's no trademark infringement. On the same token, clothing's clothing. <laughs> And you can you if you are a clothing manufacturer, you can turn off your machines and you can put new patterns in there and you can make underwear. And you can turn off those machines and you can put new patterns in and you can make a swimwear and you can turn those patterns off and, and turn off the machines and you can put in new patterns and then you can make, you know, dress, you know, you know, dress uh, clothing. So, so you're saying they've satisfied the. You know, uh, the apparel yeah, side. I would say they have satisfied the ability to file a lawsuit. Okay. And and to get something like this uh, early on and filed as a, and dismissed early in a motion to dismiss the case is not going to happen. And as a matter of fact, previous counsel in this particular case did file a motion to dismiss, which the judge struck down very harshly, to be honest with you. And the reason for that is, is it's not a high bar to be in federal court on a trademark infringement suit as long as you've got, yes, apparel, something to that effect. So apparel is apparel, at least from the very beginning. So we have to be reasonable about the costs and the costs of putting together a real trademark infringement suit do begin to get high because of all of these market interface uh, uh, points that somebody has to to go through as a defendant. Are we talking about infringement now? Or are we talking about damages? Well, we're talking about infringement. Okay. Yes. So, you know, if the price points are different, if the customers are different, if the aesthetic is different, you still have to put together a defense. Right. Okay. So for a small company, mm-hmm. it's probably cheaper to rebrand. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Justin, let's talk about this. So now that we've got the practicalities out of the way... Justin, my question is, how do I want, how can I keep an aesthetic in a new brand if we're going to rebrand this company? Well, I think I want to first start with what is a brand. I think it might be I, I a, think that's a, a, great, a small, that's a small great... misnomer to some individuals. And just to oversimplify it, the way I think of a brand is 
the essence of what your business means to its customers, which is kind of ironic because of how you just explained the difference in target customers for the two businesses. Correct. Um, you know, and, and for a brand, it, there's obviously a name that people equate with with it, but it's the physical representation of it, which is a logo. It's where a brand hang, hangs out, which is the marketing channels that it's on, whether it's Instagram or Facebook uh, or traditional marketing, etc. It's uh, who that brand surrounds itself with, with their partners. And people are very careful to align with partners who have a shared vision, either for the industry or maybe with some social good components that goes along with it. Um, so really, a, a brand is the full embodiment of the representation of what that business means to its audience. Mm. And in order to successfully rebrand, you have to create that same feeling, whether it's under a different logo or even a different name. But a brand is much more than just a logo and a name, and that, that's what I want you to get across. So I think that's, a, that, that's an excellent point. Like, a company mm -hmm. like this doesn't have to change its business focus. If Absolutely we said not. in if we said in the last episode the patent is not the business, mm -hmm. also the trademark is not the business. The, the business of the business is still the business. Right. Mm -hmm. As 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 reductive as that might sound. So, in this particular instance, what are what's some advice do we have on maybe changing this this mm -hmm. name and still keeping the overall aesthetic? So, so your brand very much is the interface between your, your business and the audience. So you really understand, you have to understand what your company means to your audience, but not just one audience, you have different segments of your audience. So for each segment, uh, in your case, more uh, premium apparel could be broken out to either men or women, different ages of men's or cohorts, even different disposable incomes that they're willing to put forth. Uh, and from that, once you understand your customer segments, you could begin to peel the layers off of what your brand or your company means, rather, to each one of those segments. And then when you begin to look at new names um, or new logos, you really want to make sure they're consistent with those customers' expectations. Now, I will say the best thing about a rebrand is that you have an audience you can test with. Yes, exactly. So you don't need to go into this blindly. As you know, I always like, and I think customers nowadays especially, love transparency between a business and themselves. So you can say to your audience, hey, we're undergoing a, a rebrand. We would love to invite your participation to really make sure we deliver the best experience now and in the future for you. Customers, uh, but it's on that business to understand their customers, will understand and appreciate that. Um, so if you do have an audience, invite them in. Help you with that rebrand. Don't be shy from that. Own the process. I, I think that's a very important point that, that you make, Justin, because in a situation like this, if you're a defendant in a trademark infringement suit, one of the things you you want to say is, all right, it's going to cost me a lot of money to defend this properly. Now, it's going to cost me some money to rebrand, but one of the things that a lot of plaintiffs are willing to do is give you at least six months as a burn-off uh, period and as a new brand testing period so that you can still be making money with the old stuff. In a way, you're saying, no moss, mm -hmm. I give up. Yeah. But but from a practicality standpoint for a smaller business, sometimes you can't litigate to win. So in that time, Jim, can you talk a little bit about engaging customers to to help with that with that brand, what's the message that I want to give? Well, those I, I think that customers uh, as a business owner, I shouldn't say I think. Uh, what Justin said about, if I understand it correctly, if you already have a brand and pre being litigated, 
you already have some kind of following, whether it be big, small, or indifferent. You have some kind of a test model if you need to go to the, the avenue of, of doing a rebranding because now you have people who you've engaged who you can talk to. So you have that, that cluster, however size it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you need to look at the market, look at the people who you're speaking to, and see how they react to a change. I mean, it's all about sales. It's all about what kind of revenue you can bring in. If you're sitting there and you know that a rebranding is going to cost you a fraction of what a litigation is going to cost you, and someone brings to me inside, let's say I'm the CEO of the company, someone comes to me and says, hey, Jim, here's what we're facing, and I look at him and he says, I think I can get that audience, Jim. I think I can do the test market. I think we can, I very much would think that I'm going to go to wherever it's more economical and more possible winning. And I don't know if litigation is going to be my winning vehicle. So I would probably be looking at something like a rebrand. Yeah. As someone who litigates, I can tell you there are multiple ways of, of, of winning. It's not just winning in, in court, because sometimes that's so expensive it's a loss. Yeah. Justin, uh, do I, if I'm a business owner and I'm rebranding, do I want to do surveys with my customers? Do I want to, well, how do I want to uh, uh, frame this, this potential question? Go, go yeah. ahead, Barry. Yeah, how to, how to connect them. Yes. And... A lot of companies go out and they have a special, which is kind of rebranding. So, so you mean you mean you mean give a discount for uh, for uh, the the old merchandise? Uh, I'm just it, yeah, it could be a discount on the current merchandise, but it could be a new intriguing thing that um, you know says, hey, when we're rebranding, we're going to go from A to C. Oh no. Yeah. I, I, I got one question because there's a nuance <laughs> that's being lost here, and maybe you know I'm going to mention a famous brand uh, in my discussion, but it's not a- about them. Just you know, just as a caveat to to my discussion. But I see this rebranding as some kind of a pivot, and there's a nuance that I'm missing, and maybe pieces of the audience is missing as well. So I'll use the case mm-hmm. of uh, my grandmother. Okay, and so as a young child, I can remember, you know, my grand, my grandmother would send me to the store with the list, and on the list was not peas. On the uh, list uh, uh, was yes. Del Monte peas. Okay, and if I came back with anything other than Del Monte peas, you know, there was, you know, gonna be, you know. A, a, a lot of butts to, to pay, okay? Uh, yeah, Goya was one of my problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, yeah, right? It, it, so if it, if it didn't say that, then then you, it's, mm-hmm. it's an attachment. I can hear the attachment, yes. you know, of that customer to that particular brand. Now, we're just talking about peas. In this case, you're talking about some clothing. How easy is it now for a Del Monte to go to their customer base, and, and there's some hindsight involved here, I understand that. Sure. But to say, we're no longer going to be called Del Monte, you know, we're going to be called, you know, Xenon, you know, <laughs> Vegetable <laughs> Services. And, you know, how, how does that go over with I, your yeah, current I customer say, base? I would, say the, the, I would say the first thought there is that I think... I think it's easier for a smaller company to rebrand than mm-hmm. the one that's entrenched mm-hmm. in its particular mm-hmm. brand okay. and then has has then needs to have some kind of pivot to it. Okay. I think for a smaller company and and Justin did say you might need to have that discussion and conversation. 
And 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 I think Jim and Barry said that too. You have to say, here's here's what we're doing. And sometimes you might even want to say, look, we're being sued. We've decided to 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 do to do the rebrand instead of fighting the suit. And um, you may not want to, to, to play victim in a message like that. So a message like that does have to be worded properly and carefully, but you might have to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Justin. Yeah, uh, it's not impossible for larger brands to rebrand. I mean, about.com rebranded to dot dash to reflect a new business focus going forward. And, and I think just for sake of clarity of this podcast, um, the case study we're looking at was more of a uh, obligation to re- uh, rebrand Correct. to avoid litigation Correct. if they felt it's in their best interest. There are plenty of times, and I would say this is probably more often the case, that you're rebranding to demonstrate a pivot of your business into possibly a different audience or a different pivot. Um, I'm actually a part of a company right now in the healthcare and beauty aid space where we teamed up with a uh, world-class product developer, one of the first individuals to utilize ingredients from the Dead Sea in cosmetics. Um, Been doing it for over 35 years. He was running uh, not only one brand, but several brands out of Toronto. And from a product standpoint, they were very successful. From a marketing and branding standpoint, they were not. And when we first met with him, he said the words we always love to hear. I know, I don't know what I don't know, and I don't know marketing and branding. So we saw that as a perfect opportunity to team up with him and rebrand uh, out of our, our choice, his entire product line and his company. Um, that also included looking at different opportunities within the market. So that rebranding took into account new market positioning, took into account uh, a higher end customer that we wanted to go forward with. And then from that, we worked backwards into creating a name and a logo and a brand identity with our brand values, et cetera. And, uh, and your targeted markets do need that. I mean, I can give you the one we all have laughed about in the past when, when they came out with the great idea of the Carnova mm-hmm. and they tried to send it down into Latin American countries. Mm-hmm. You know what happened there. Mm-hmm. Someone should have said, wait a minute, you can't call that Nova in Latin American countries. That's mm-hmm. not going to work. So they should, have, they should have saw that and did the rebranding or the renaming of the car. That was mm-hmm. a disaster, as we all know. So. Branding, branding is not easy. No. Um, there's a reason why... Um, Branding campaigns, especially within large large companies, take a while to perform and conduct, and they're rather expensive, um, let alone for new products being brought to market. Companies will sink in a lot of money to make sure they're delivering upon the expectations of their existing consumers, and they don't want to make any assumptions. Now, Anthony, you asked before, how do you do a rebrand? How do, how do you begin to engage your, your consumer? Um, and I think a lot of that just comes down to where a company is in their life cycle and, and what their financial resources are. Um, on the low end, you could do surveys or pulse surveys, which is just one question at a time. You can put social media posts on, inviting commentary. And, and people love sharing in their opinions. Uh, they really do. Just like advisors love talking about I, themselves. I like the idea of, of a smaller business that needs to rebrand, just saying, sending an email to all of its uh, uh, you know, email uh, users and saying, Here, here's a survey. Please click mm-hmm. here. Here. Please click your favorite of five. Mm-hmm. Doing the same thing on social media. Here, you know, please, you know, click click this survey and give mm-hmm. give your input and say pick which one you like mm-hmm. the best and and at least have five. What about so your other choices. channels though? Are, are they is I guess if you're making the sales, they they probably don't care. I don't want to answer my own question, but what about your 
your your channel partners, distributors, and other people who have embraced this brand, aren't they as brand conscious as the end user? I, so- I think they are, but I think their tolerance mm-hmm. uh, is much more because from a B2B perspective, mm-hmm. let's face it, they care about their bottom line. Right. Is the economics of my relationship with this business going to continue, if not grow? And as long as the answer is yes to that, mm-hmm. uh, I think they would um, follow along with rebrand without, rebrand without much friction. Mm-hmm. It's really a rebrand is is consumer focused mm-hmm. um, because you, typically most businesses are in a very competitive marketplace where they need to stand out. And the way they stand out, a lot of things come into account, but they're branding above most. Well, does the messaging of uh, you, what you're talking to mm-hmm. your client about then, is it being lost in the fact that they have fallen emotionally in love with sure. a brand versus you know, the business side, which drives them mm-hmm. to probably you, you, where they sit, Anthony's, just go ahead and rebrand and move ahead. Anthony's number one rule of trademark law, don't fall in love. And, sure. and, and every, every one of my clients, every entrepreneur that I have ever met yes. says, oh my God, I love this brand. I need, you know, and, and whether or not they want to protect it. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And my number one rule is don't fall in love because this might happen or you might need to do it. If you haven't done a trademark search, mm-hmm. and we could talk about that as well because we talked about patent searches in the previous episode. If you haven't done a trademark search and this is floating out there and you want to be conservative and cautious about your business, um, then, mm-hmm. then then you have a rebrand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that burst of, that, that energy mm-hmm. burst for your brand, just like that energy burst for your actual product, uh, does create that attachment. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, but my first rule is don't fall well, in love yeah. because Anthony, it's so much easier to let, change Let's that talk brand. about falling in love for a second. Okay. And we'll, and we'll keep this- I did uh, that. We'll keep this- <laughs> <laughs> We'll keep this PG, Will. Okay. Um, you know, I think any entrepreneur and small business owner needs to be loaded with passion because you're going to have a lot of ups and downs throughout your journey. And those downs can definitely- uh, make you second guess what you're looking to accomplish. And you need to have that passion. I think with passion comes a lot of emotion. So it is easy to get emotionally attached to aspects of your company, whether it's a brand name or a business model, et cetera. Um, that's fine. But you need to be able to make business decisions outside of your emotions and your passions and what you love that are in the best interest of the business. And that's why it's important sometimes to have advisors and key relationships of people that you trust that have more of an objective view of your business than you. It's very hard to see the outer edge of a circle when you're standing right in the middle of it. And for a lot of founders, that's exactly where they are. They're at the middle of their business and a lot of what they see is obviously biased because of their passion and sure. the granular details that they look at from a day-to-day basis. Maybe it's not quite that. Maybe maybe I just don't understand, you know, how I built a following uh, that recognizes me. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of like walking into the bar. They mm-hmm. know my name. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden, I walk in and my name's changed and... You know, I, I, you know, I think it's the fear mm-hmm. of thinking sure. that they won't know me anymore. But mm-hmm. there is a something you do as a professional to mitigate that or to eliminate mm-hmm. 
this well, stress I, 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 I think, business. If, if I can just add one thing to right, Will, right, right, I, I think right, this right. is an, an ongoing evolution of marketing nowadays, <laughs> and it's causing a lot of disruption within market research and the metrics behind marketing, which is, you know, if you look at Google and people pay so much money to AdWords, well, that's based on really cost per click and cost per action. But the real factor or, or um, metric to how successful a company can be is engagement. How are you engaging your, your uh, consumers? Not only are they, are they liking your page or your post, but are they commenting? Is there a two-way street of engagement? Um, and, and, and that's also where a path forward lies with potentially rebranding. If you do have a good conversation with your audience, you work that into your conversation. I don't think the hard part is issuing a survey or an email. The hard part is knowing what questions to ask because you don't want to be too leading. You need to know, well, I need to ask uh, questions about the values they entrust in my brand, um, You know w what their expectations of me are, and really show uh, a very subtle question set that is maybe only three to five. No one wants to answer 15 question surveys yeah. anymore. The mm -hmm. average attention span right now is less than eight seconds. So yeah. mm -hmm. good luck with mm -hmm. all your marketing yeah. with that said. Um, I, but I, I just mm -hmm. want to go back. I, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I, I just will mention the word, and I'm, I'm going to bring it up again. We'll mention the word messaging. Mm -hmm. We all know the messaging at any level of any corporation. We know that's an expensive ordeal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at a marketing plan, the top, the sitting, the most expensive thing is the messaging mm -hmm. that you're putting out there. If you rebrand, are we talking also re-messaging? Not necessarily. If, I, I think that's what we're looking to avoid is yeah, re messaging. Well, yeah. I think right. we want to keep the same brand aesthetic okay. with a new name, trademark mm -hmm. slash name. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, okay. under okay. this uh, case study. Under this case if, study. If yes. it was a choice to rebrand out of a pivot necessary for business success, yes, to your question. You might want to change your messaging. And when it comes to messaging, it's, it's not one size fits all for your entire company. There's messaging that goes to your brand identity and the essence of your brand. And then there could be, <clears throat> excuse me, siloed messaging for each targeted audience. There needs to be a connection between your brand and the customer segmentation messaging, but not all customers are cre uh, created equal. You need to speak very specific uh, specifically to each one of your customer sets, because if people don't feel like you're speaking to them and personalizing it to them, they're on to the next product. So the next step in, in, in thinking about a company like this is that the products do have to be, um, I, I don't want, not want to necessarily say recreated, but they have to be updated for the new name slash mark. And uh, Barry, can we talk about some of the management issues involved? Because now I have to get new artwork. I have to have the same people create uh, um, different items. Yeah, what but what you're doing is you're starting a new company in the old company. Now, you don't propagandize it, okay. but you take it and you kind of go into it. Say, hey, we got something new and exciting. We thought that it might be of interest to you, so we've put it in, in our for sale file. So in order to... to, to in order to keep the same supply chain going, what am I? What what is a business owner looking at in terms of management? Because we're, we're hopefully creating similar products, just with slight changes. So I hope there isn't much change. But am I wrong about that assumption? Well, it, it 
varies up and down on the scale. Okay. So, so talk to me about some of that variation. Uh, well, what you can do is you can take the printing that you put on the uh, package, if it's a package, if it's, if it's food stuff or whatever it is, and put a little thing on there, maybe without even changing anything else, and say, hey, hey, this is new, enriched, and see if that gets some traction. I, 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 I like that, uh, Jim. In in some of the, the the messaging that we've been that we've been talking about, how should the 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 owner, that top level, handle that messaging in terms of, of going down the the company within the company? Yes. Ooh. Um. You you sit like we're sitting right here as a Nesta group, and you bring your <laughs> your head of operations, your head of marketing, your head of sales, mm-hmm. and we have a conversation that says, uh, "Here's what the situation we're in." Uh, you take considerations what Barry just said about it, how how much do we have to spend to rebrand? Because I'm going to be looking at that because someone's got to sign that check. If I don't bring it up, the, the chief financial officer is going to say you're joking with this. But 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 also on something like that, there are sunk costs for the past I don't know three or four years that this company's been been yeah, well, advertising sunk, and building what they currently those sunk have. costs. What's mm-hmm. going to happen to them? And and I can tell you this from knowledge firsthand, is that those sunk costs are going to be you going the company's going to take a, a write off mm-hmm. hit and work their tax structure any way they want. But that's mm-hmm. a different subject for a different day. But the whole idea of those costs of the rebranding is going to come up and what is needed to be done to get it out there with some kind of, of fiduciary responsibility and, and savings. Uh, so uh, I would look at it that way. Actually, I think Barry's comment, maybe it is keep it simple, stupid. Maybe it's taking your old labeling and saying the new and improved mm-hmm. Or, or something that says, oh, it's new and improved. I like the old one. I might like this one, too, with all the names changed, but it's the same product. Isn't that well, a product name change versus your company name change, your brand name change, or am I confused It could be one and the same. It could be one of the same. Well, Jim, um, I would actually break that down into three parts. I think if you're going to consider a rebranding, there's the strategy aspect of it. Why am I doing this? What happens if I don't do this? What could happen if I do do this? What, what happens if I do it well? What happens if I don't do it well? Um, and then there's the tactical component, which is I know I want to do it. How exactly am I going to do it? And that, that, those are team discussions. You need the uh, devil's advocate personality in the room to kind of challenge you. That I think, you know, if you haven't gotten this yet from our podcast, we always debate each other. Um, and after you have the tactical plan on what you want to do, there's a support aspect. And that's when you share with your team what the journey is going to be ahead. Have them um, support those those initial efforts so that there's a united front going forward. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, but good I, idea. I, I agree with you there. What, what, what I, again, I'm going to go back to, to the basis of this conversation. We're on the verge of being sued mm-hmm. because our name so happens to be close to someone else's mm-hmm. name. So my message to my team is, I hate to put this on you, but we're not here because of the fact that we did clever new concept, new messaging. Mm-hmm. We're on the verge of being sued, and we're going to have to shut this business down. So I, I, I think the approach would be different if I'm looking at it from that level of desperation that says... I would think so, mm-hmm. yeah. yes. You know, it, 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 it's hard to create a black and white answer to these yeah, questions. No, and of I, course, I think the biggest course. takeaway you want is entrepreneurship, small businesses, they live in the gray area all the time. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. It's just that 
um, there's a number of variables that always need to be taken into account when you're making business decisions. In this case, the strategy behind it is, yes, we need to rebrand or else the risk is too high. The tactical is how we're going to rebrand it is what the core focus Correct. would be on. Right. Um, I, I, I would say, look, if, if you're going to rebrand, the other thing that you need to do, and I'll leave you with this thought before we end this episode and move to our next, is that just like you did a patent search, you need to do a trademark search as well. And if you haven't done that, sadly, this is the end result, is that three years in, building your brand, you have a, a trademark infringement suit staring you down and forcing you to make changes. So therefore, you've got to find a way to be preventative about this. And hopefully, you do the trademark search, mm -hmm. you find what brands are out there, you get that, that high-level view of the universe of this potential name or this potential mark mm -hmm. or this potential brand, mm -hmm. and you... Just like Will said with patents, you do the white space. Where where does our brand fit in here? You do the green green space. You kind of figure out where our competitors are. You need to make sure that you understand the universe mm -hmm. of this mark before you move on. And I think that's just as important in trademarks as it is in patents because this is the end result mm -hmm. if you're sloppy about it or you don't at least look back to understand gee, what competitors do I have? What potential plaintiffs do we have? Go ahead, and, Jim. And, and just, we keep on going back to the same thing, and I'm glad you phrased it the way you did. Again, I would say, do your homework. Understand what you're getting into. Do your research. Do your due diligence. Do your patent search. Do your, your trademark search. Although it seems laborious and costly and you hate it and most people are going to hate it because they're so excited about this thing that they're doing that they'd rather take a shortcut take the road less travel and do your homework is my motto mm -hmm. thank you for that jim Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, this is our special mini podcast series with the Nessa Group. And, Jim, back to you. How do you find the Nessa Group online? Oh, it, did you go to com, or you go to LinkedIn or you go to Facebook? You'll find us. We're out there. And uh, just let us know what you need. It will be there. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>